Hi, I'm Shalushi Baxi Ritchie. And I'm Kosha Baxi Karstens. We are sisters and best friends who grew up in the middle of Illinois, two little brown girls in a heartland farming community. We were really loved. We had a lot of friends, but we never felt like we fully fit in. We started to realize that there's probably a lot of other people who felt similarly othered. And that realization was a seed for this podcast. Then during the 2020 election, we watched now Vice President Harris reclaim her power and story from Mike Pence, and we got inspired. We want to hear, share, and amplify the voices of all Americans who have felt othered. We want to give everyone a platform to reclaim their power and their place by standing up and saying, I am speaking. Hello, hello to our fantastic listeners. I am Kosha Karstens, and it's good to be here with you today. I don't have Shayla Shea here for the intro. We had um, a couple of scheduling conflicts. So I am here solo to introduce our fantastic guest. His name is Darian Marion Burton. He is the president and CEO of DM Burton Style. It is a phenomenal marketing and branding consultancy here in the suburbs of Chicago. He is a millennial black gay man and he is larger than life. He is a fantastic person. He makes me laugh. He was so fun to talk to and so insightful also. He talks a lot about the intersectionality of being black and gay in society and what people expect from him, what box they expect him to check and how he has navigated that intersection really to come out on top in his life. Uh, as he says, he is running this town. And if you know Darian, you know that's true. So enjoy DMB, Darian Marion Burton is speaking. He brought us so many laughs and so much insight, and uh, he was just a joy to speak to. He is speaking. So, uh, hello today. How are you? I am fabulous. How are you guys? Pretty good. Doing all right. Yeah. So, uh, I would love for you to introduce yourself, and then we'll jump right in. Hey guys, my name is Darian Marion Burton. I use he, him, H-B-I-C pronouns, um, and I am speaking. Awesome, welcome. Before we go any further, I was going to say H-B-I-C. Head bitch in charge. <laughs> awesome. That's you wanted awesome. us to ask that. What if we just rolled with it? Yeah, that's great. HBIC, great. We keep going. Oh, thank you. <laughs> my emails, my pronouns are there, and it says he, him, HBIC. And so I had somebody, they were like, oh, what's HBIC? Is that some kind of new, like, sexuality thing? I'm like, nah, bro, it means I'm the fucking boss, okay? Like, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and there are, you know, there's a growing... I'm not sure if it's growing trend, but there, as part of this acknowledgement that people, their pronouns maybe don't match up with their visuals, mm -hmm. uh, there's this uh, set of what they call neo pronouns. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but I'm like, 
is that a neo is that like representative of like a neo pronoun are those like the zay zem ones yeah you know i uh Anna Deshad, who's a friend of mine, she always says anything res- like when she says she pronounces anything respectable, respectful, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, I love that. I like right, like I think that like pronouns don't have to be this like thing that we take like so seriously, right? And like by adding something that's like completely not a pronoun, I think like it lets us have more conversations about them. Absolutely. Yeah, Anna was on, which you introduced us to Anna, which is awesome. She was fantastic. And yeah, she was very clear that like pronouns are important because especially when they don't line up. If you call me they, I'm fine with that because it like I go by she, her, which is what I've always gone by. The problem is when people misgender on purpose. Now you're just being an asshole. Like, just yeah. being an asshole. Yeah, you're just being mean. We have somebody who works at the Buzz Cafe that's transgender. Like, we have customers. Like, it is, to this day, like, baffles me. Who come in every day and misgender them. And I'm like, he hum, guys. He hum. Like, yeah. and then, like, I was, like, making a cup of coffee. And they're like, oh, she has, like, oh, he? Yeah. Let's not do this today, Karen. Wrong like, <laughs> day. I, I wonder if sometimes people aren't intended. It's not like a pointed barb, but they're just so in their own head and their own like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I just got to run in and grab a cup of coffee. And oh, yeah, she, 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 or whatever. Instead of like taking literally half a beat and being, you know, present to pay attention to what's going on instead of just being in your own head and being reactive, respond, don't react and pay attention to what's happening. So when I make a mistake, it's not because I'm trying to be mean, it's because I'm going too fast. Yeah. That was also a lesson for me to slow down a little bit. I just slow down, be thoughtful and you get it right more often than not. If you can just take a breath, take a beat and slow down, yeah. Well, and I know, I know an, a friend of mine whose child is non-binary and really it's important because they come from an incredibly conservative community and a very, very conservative religion that it's really important that the people who, who do know that they are non-binary use they, them. And my friend is like, oh, the grammar person in me just hates it. And Anna said it really well because she goes, uh, yeah, I get it, but that's what makes them feel better. So get over it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I was, you know, I was at a I was at a bar the other day and like <clears throat> I'm listening to this group of people talk and like I realized that they're teachers because they started talking about their students. And so they were like talking about a non-binary or a trans like student. And they were like, yeah, I just like can't say they, them. Like, it's not correct English. And I'm like, what? Like, really? Like, I mean, like, serious. Well, first off, like, let's like ditch this idea that like what correct English is. Cause like, there are so many different vernaculars that like people use. So like, let's like, let's stop. Like, right? Like, we don't say like y'all isn't correct English. Mm-hmm technically not correct English, but like, we're okay with doing that. But like, we can't use a plural when we're talking about a singular object. 
when we do say it. So if you, yeah. if someone calls you, right, if someone calls for my husband, I'll be like, oh, you know, someone called for you. They're waiting. Yeah. I say that. I don't say he slash she is waiting for you. Yeah. You know, people are like, oh, I've known you as Mark for your, I'm making this up, obviously, Mark for your whole life. I can't switch to Mary. And I'm like, you know, when I got married, it was easier for other people to, to use my last, my new married last name than it was for me to switch it. Switching names is actually a super common thing in this country, yeah. in the world. And you don't have problems saying like, oh, Mrs. Bix, oh, I mean, Miss Karstens. Yeah. Although we did not bring you on this podcast to just spend an hour and a half talking about pronouns and the evolution of language. We'll do it. I mean, yeah. You know. <laughs> Unless, of course, it really fits into your story, because that's what we're here to talk about, which is you and your story and your journey. So uh, before we get really into it, I would really appreciate if you identified for us how you identify yourself or you told us how you identify yourself. I am a cisgendered gay male. And for those of you who cannot see Darian, which is probably everyone on the podcast, Darian is also a black, right? Is also a black man. Yeah. I like that you said, right? <laughs> You're like, right? <laughs> I also want to be clear that black is an identity which some people don't necessarily ascribe to. They are dark skinned, right? They're part right. of the African-American heritage, but they don't want to be called black for whatever reason. So I just want to, I want to be respectful of the fact that that may not be a, an identity that you want to take on and you have a different one that you would like to, you know, put forward. You know, as I was, as I like, and I was like, oh shit, I forgot to say I'm black. Um, you know, I think my more salient identity is my LGBT identity, but like, you know, I'm down for the cause. I am definitely a black person. Uh, fight that fight every day, uh, probably more than I fight the LGBT struggle in all honesty. And yeah, um, yeah, I am definitely black. That's really interesting that you f you fight the black fight more than you fight the LGBTQ fight. Is that, or at least that's how you feel you're doing every day? I think that racism as a whole has just gotten a little more prevalent and like being gay has gotten more accepted just where I live my life and the people like I like interact with like I'm a business owner like most people that like most I live in a upper middle class like you know suburb so like right I think that being gay you're you have money like you like have great fashion taste like you know it's pretty great the stereotypes I'm dealing with there as a black person I kind of get all the opposite ones um but honestly I think living at that intersection too is like really like you know challenging right I get like I got the black things I got the gay things and then like you just put them together and it's like you know like I don't know like, it's a well, like you said it sounds like some that intersection those stereotypes collide they're not additive so people expect you to have great fashion sense and be very well spoken as a gay person but then they expect you to not have any money and not be educated and not, you know, not know what they're doing as a black person, as a yeah. black man. So, I mean, you confuse the hell out of people, which is awesome. I'm proud of you for that. You know, we had a party last night and I like went home and I was thinking, I was like, you know, like, I'm like, 
I'm this little black boy who's like running the fucking town. Like, you know, like I like, right, like I have the power and privilege to be in so many different rooms. <clears throat> and I think it's because, right, like I've been able to successfully navigate what this intersection looks like for me. Like I'm able to use like different parts of my identity at different times and code switch. Um, but like, yeah, I just like, you know, it's like, it's kind of great. Like, you know, I like, I think it's what makes me so unique is that like, right, like you get this, like, I have a matte purple nail polish on right now and I have a bougie ass office, but like, I also am probably going to have like chicken wings with mouth sauce. That is so horrible that I, <laughs> that's my black identity thing. But like, that's like how I roll. Like, you know, sometimes I'm like, listening to rap music over here like and people are like what like I just I didn't think you would like rap music and I'm like y'all like I do thought shit every day like you don't think I like Meg the Stallion is my girl like it's and we heard that we've heard that from a lot of people this um the identity that you wear the one that comes out the most versus one that is sort of a little bit more hidden we talked to uh, one of Kosha's friends from high school, Mark, who's also a gay man, but is white. And one of the things that we did talk about is um, how the privilege of being a white man, you get to walk around with. And so being gay is something that you can take out or put away. Mm-hmm. Choose to share. Yeah. Yeah. And he was saying, you know, he's a, he's a lawyer that works in construction. So there are times when he's like, no, I need to present as straight and I can do that. Um, and, and there are times when I'm more comfortable, you know, letting my gay, you know, the gayer aspects of my personality come out. Some parts of your otherness, you can't hide. You cannot hide being a black person. You can't hide being Indian. You can't hide being a woman, mostly. You can hide parts of your sexuality and you can sometimes hide parts of your gender identity should you try hard enough, right? Um, and so there's all kinds of layers of privilege and, and pressure on that. And Anna had talked about how, you know, when she shows up in rooms, it's very much like, well, am I going to be the black person in this room or am I going to be the lesbian in this room? Um, have you ever experienced something like that? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, you know, I usually write like, I'm like, what box am I ticking for somebody today? Like, you know, like, are, am I here because you want like my bougie elevated sensibilities on like your event or like, am I here because like you want more black people at your event and like, you know, like think that having a black person on the organizing council is going to be the best thing for you. You know, and like also like I do that with my clients, right? Like who like, which, which Darian do you want, right? Like, do you want like, and unfortunately I cannot hide the fact that I am gay. I am a flaming homosexual um like literally i think you can just look at me and tell um which i'm like totally fine with um but you know like there are definitely clients where like i am like a completely different person like i'm like all right yeah so like i absolutely believe that's a great idea for you like blah 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 like here's like me being my corporate self like And this person that you think I should be. And like, then you get an email from me and I'm like swearing in the subject line. And and people are like, what is this? Like, who are you? And I'm like, so this is like the real me. Um, I'm kind of like, right. I, I'm at that intersection, right? So like, 
I'm like real in your face. I'm like real, like it's no, I definitely get that a lot. And like, I think that's like one of the things that I really pride myself on being good at is like understanding what people's motivations are and like talking with me or wanting to reach out to us. That's wonderful. Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, and the three of them at least have talked a lot about talking white, quote unquote. And and they've said, you know, if I'm with HBO executives, I sound very different than if I'm with BET executives. And so it is that whole idea of code switching. Was that like a hard earned skill of yours? Was that something that came very naturally that code switch? Or did you, do you look back and you go, oh, I learned that in let's say high school or middle school or something, how to switch? I think it's something that came natural. And I think it's also something I'm still learning. Um, Like, I think I have a really like naturally like high, like ability to understand like people and their motivations. Emotional intelligence. Yeah. And so like, I've always been able to be like, oh, like, this is like who Darian needs to be. But like, right. I've also been like, I, I grew up in a upper middle class society. And like, I went to school with mostly white people. I've had to navigate predominantly white spaces my entire life. And so like, I think that like, right, it was survival for me. I don't think I ever thought about it as like, oh, this is what I should be doing. I was like, all right, so this is what the fuck I need to do so that I can get to X, Y, and Z. Like they want me to be this person and I want this from them. So like in order to make all these things happen, this is who needs to show the fuck up today. But, like, also, right, like, I and Koshi, you know, it's like, I got fired from my job, presumably because I was acting real black and gay at a golf outing. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I am now the soon-to-be president of that organization. So, oh, wow. you, know, you know, how inappropriate was I, or was I just being my, like, true self? And you made some people uncomfortable, and... Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. There's a lot of, like, you can be gay and black over there. But the golf space is ours, yeah. right? Like it is the white man's space. So please don't bring your black gayness into my space. Yeah, yeah. Growing up in upper middle class family in an upper middle class neighborhood, going to a school with primarily, you know, with white children. Oh, you are a poor family in an upper middle class neighborhood. <laughs> Thank you. I stand corrected. Less economically fortunate but in a neighborhood or you went to a school where you were slotted in with upper middle-class kids? Um, so like, this is what happened. My grandparents, so going way, way, way back. Uh, my mom died, my birth mom died when I was three years old. Um, and before that she was actually incarcerated. Um, and so I was born inside of a Cook County jail, real cool. She and my dad, who was a drug dealer, um, made the decision to like give me to his parents. Um, so I was raised by my grandparents and we- On your dad's side. On my dad's side. Uh, we lived in Garfield Park, which is like a real rough neighborhood in the city. And, you know, one day my grandpa won the lottery and got an inheritance, like within like two months of each other. And so they took that money and were like, we need to move to Oak Park so that like our grandkids, because I was also raised with my cousin, 
uh, whose mom died when she was young as well. Um, and so they moved us to Oak Park and like we had a very, we had a condo uh, east of Ridgeland. Um, so like very much in like the poor side of town. Um, but like, I also went to school at like OPRF with like a whole bunch of like people from River Forest and North Oak Park. And like, I went to like a, for college, I went to Augustana, which is a really nice, like liberal arts school. And like, everybody came for money. And like, so it's always been something that like, I've had to like navigate. And so like, I am a self-starter. So, like, I got a job at 14. I have worked probably every day of my life since then. Um, but, like, yeah, that's, like, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's the thing. That's how you ended up growing up in a white, primarily white space. And for our listeners who are not local, Oak Park likes to think of itself as quite liberal and progressive. And for many things, it is quite liberal and progressive um, compared to many other parts of the country. And yet it is almost, you know, it's predominantly white um, and definitely sort of on the upper upper middle class side of things um, from an economic standpoint. And that doesn't mean, however, that there aren't people who live in Oak Park who have financial challenges, who, you know, are lower middle class or even lower, you know, financially lower class. Um, and that there is a lot of diversity and it gets almost just papered over because what you see, the people you see walking around town are largely white people. Um, and so uh, people of color pretty much stick out. Um, and if you don't have money, it's a real challenge, I think, to engage fully in the social life, whether you're a kid or an adult in Oak Park. Uh, do you feel like, Darian, I've, I've captured that well? Yeah, you know, um, I always say, right, like, we have no problems with racial diversity, but who, socioeconomic diversity here? If you don't got the money, like, and education, right, like, we're also super educated. Like, if you aren't educated, like, right, like, I think about, like, service workers who, like, work in the community but can't live in a community or don't have access to things in a community and like that's just like right like i think we're so okay with that right we're so against things like affordable housing like literally they wanted to build an affordable housing unit and like white people went crazy amazing wow yeah when was that recently uh i want to say don't quote me on this maybe like three four years ago so the 807 on Van Buren and uh, Oak Park Avenue. It's the new affordable housing development. Um, people were like really against it. Um, they said because they didn't want a tall building. He's putting that in quotes. <laughs> you know, that seems to be the, the point of contention that NIMBYs, NIMBYs means not in my backyard, people, um, have on every kind of housing development ever that they don't like. You know, I just got back from visiting um, friends who live in California and a very, very close friend of mine lives in San Francisco. The affordable housing issue there is just, I mean, you think it's issue here. It's like, you know, unthinkable there. And literally the reason people complain is that they feel like they have a right to a view. Well, this this building's gonna block my view and there's gonna be increased traffic, so it's gonna drive down my property values, which is a ridiculous thing to say in a city like San Francisco, where nothing can drive down your property values because everyone wants a house. 
right? Housing's in short supply. So there's no, nothing can actually drive down your property values. And yet there's a bit of like, I don't want this here. I want my, my, my safe community. And there's some perception of how dangerous or how bad it's going to be if you actually put up affordable housing somewhere. Um, Darian, I know, uh, and uh, please help me with the details. Uh, several years ago, right when I moved here, there was an um, election. So, so Oak Park River Forest is, it, we pride ourselves on being very progressive and diverse and, and things like that. There was a local election in Oak Park. A friend of ours, a really good friend of yours was running, right? Darian for um, village board trustee. And there were something like eight openings or something, weren't there? there are... Three. Oh, three seats. Yeah, it was three seats. And... And, and eight people running. Yep, yep. Four of whom, half of whom were Black men. Yes. Correct. And none of the Black men were elected. Yep, yep, yep. None, none. Um, you know, right, like, and I think being a black man is, so, like, right, like, I get away with it because, like, right, I'm gay. Like, I, I'm not going to rape your daughter, right? Like, at the end of the day, like, right, like, mm-hmm. white men don't see me as a threat to, like, their wife or their, like, loved ones because, like, I'm gay. But, like, I think that, like, right, like, we haven't had a black man on the... Uh, and I want to be very specific about this because, like, we do have someone of African descent on the board now who's a man. Um, but we had it for a really long time. And, like, even, like, now, right? Like, and I love Chibuke and, yeah, he's great, doing great work. But, like, right, you know, he was he's an immigrant. Like, you know, and, like, that, there's a little, something's different there, right? He, like, doesn't have this family lineage of slavery, and he has he has a very quote African sounding name. Exactly. I think you look at him and you're like, oh, you're an immigrant. That's the box that he checks. He doesn't yeah. check black man box. Exactly. Um, and right, it's like you know, it's a safe minority, right? Like, um, I think that like right, black men are like kind of right. We built this country quite literally, like you know, like, and I think that right, like in people's heads, like right just subconsciously it's like i think that they are black men are always going to be perceived as a threat because they're the ones who've built this country they're the ones who have sparred more innovation right like um and i think that we have a narrative in this society that like black men like are less than everybody else and like you know like i i think you know black women have like a slight advantage only because, like, I think that, like, right now, like, with Me Too and everything that's happening in the women's movement, there's more, like, there's a bigger focus on, like, women's rights and, like, I think that they are, like, they have more of a seat at the table in terms of conversations. Um, But I think Black men, just like, yeah, like, we don't. And we don't even have any, like, leaders in our, like, so many of our communities anymore because, like, they're all, like, like, I don't want to, like, why would I want to like be a leader here if like I can't get shit done? Like, and be a target at the same yeah. time. You know, the ever-present legacy of slavery on black men and black women is so complicated. Um, you know, I, I, 
have been a part of, of the reproductive justice movement for the last 20, 30 years almost, um, and watched very intently with what was happening um, at the Women's March last weekend, two weeks ago, I'm trying to remember, I think it was last weekend, um, and watching the stories come out about how white organizers in certain areas basically systematically disenfranchised black led, you know, black women led groups in their communities, brought them on board with a lot of promises. And then when it came time to actually have a presence, to have a leadership voice, got put, they got pushed to the back of the line. Um, and that happens time and time again in almost every, every sector, every platform we can think of where it's like Black people push the envelope on so much stuff. And then when it comes time to give respect, to give the due, to give the you know acknowledgement, to give them a place, a well-deserved, rightfully earned place in, with a leadership voice, it's like, uh-uh, get, no, it's our turn to speak now. Um, and that's so, it's so demoralizing, I think, when you think about just how, again, it goes back to like, well, which box are you in? Are you in the woman box? Are you in the black box? Are you in the gay box? What box are you checking here? Instead of thinking about people as whole people and bringing the full extent of in intersectionality into the work that people are doing. I also wanted, I wanted to ask you a question because you said, and I totally agree with you about how straight black men are perceived to be a threat and gay black men are not. And I'm really curious about that because gay people have, gay men have long been thought to be dangerous to boys. Oh my God, we can't have gay, you know, Boy Scout leaders because, you know, they'll abuse the boys when in fact that was happening regardless. We can't have gay people in the church because they'll be pedophiles. Oh, hello, that's been happening for centuries. Where do you think, where do you think the balance is on, on the black identity versus the gay identity? For example, I don't hear you say like, people perceive me to be a danger to their sons. Right, that's the corollary. If you actually, actually usually to their like of age sons, they're like, oh dear, you're gonna, He's gonna get them. Uh, well, if they're of age, that's a choice and that's consent, right? Like, right. well, that's that's between the two of you. You know, if your parents don't like it, that's a parent's problem. But, but no, um, you know, I definitely. So that's tough, right? Um, and I grew up in a Catholic family. Like, I was an altar server. I don't think that I have ever felt that somebody thought that I was a danger to their kid. And like I and I think that has a lot to do with my personality, right? Like I'm very like kind of like you know fun, like I'm pretty like effervescent. Some people say saucy or bubbly, like you're saucy, saucy. Um, and I think that because of that, right? Like I think that right, like I'm not like a creepy dude, like mm -hmm. yeah, you know, like I, I I think that like right, like I think that if I had a different personality, maybe that may be a conversation that like would be like more prevalent, but like, right. Like I just, I like, right. Like I never had it happen. Um, right. Like, I don't think that like people as like a whole, right. Perceive me as being really threatening because like, I think that, you know, the whole like, right. Being a black gay man, I think that there's this idea that we're super feminine, super like, you know, like there's like, 
it's, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess, right? Like, we're all bottoms. We're all, like, bitchy. We, like, talk shit. Or, very like, campy. Very flamboyant. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I am some of that some of the time. Um, but, like, I also, right, I think I live in, like, a very, like, neutral territory. Like, you know, like, you know I'm gay, but, like, it's not like I'm throwing it in your face, like, consistently. Constantly, right. And so I think that because then, because, like, right, like, I've been able to, like, live in, like, a space where I do have, like, leadership, like, leadership in our community. Um, I just don't think that that, like, anyone would ever perceive me as a pedophile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, right, like, if I were straight, think people would be like, oh, like, right, like, you're going to rape my daughter. Um, and I use that analogy a lot because, like, right, like, we look at things like Emmett Till, we look at things um, in the Black history that have, have happened. Um, and it's really, I think it's really telling that, like, right, Emmett Till was only 40, 50 years ago. Um, and that that's a mentality that some people have. Like, somebody was only 14. Yeah. Somebody's grandparents believe in their heart of hearts that Black people are horrible, that we are vile, that we are like an inferior class of people, that we're savages. And a lot of that is like how we were portrayed in the media. A lot of that is like, you know, just like what history has dictated about Black people. And I think that the further we get from that, the more that's changing in people's heads. But I do still think that, right, like, if your parents grew up thinking that Black people were bad, even if you think Black people are okay, you still have, like, that, like, shared knowledge, right? Like, you know, we talk a lot about, like, generational trauma and, like, how people today can still feel the effects of slavery. I think that goes for the white people who enslaved them, right? They they still on some level think that, like, we are an inferior class. Well, there's a reason why when it's brought up, when reparations are brought up, when, you know, why critical race theory is such a hot button issue today, when most people don't even know what that is, um, is because there is a overarching desire to keep white people comfortable in their beliefs about what happened and how, okay, but that was such a long time ago. And, you know, I had nothing to do with it. And though, you know, I'm, I don't do that and the world is better now. So please stop reminding me that that was actually in my grandparents' time or my great grandparents' time, depending on how old you are. Right. Um, I'm friends with a black person and I go to a black dentist. So please don't talk about how my grandparents tried to beat up black people on the street or whatever. Right. How like the National Guard had to be called in to protect Ruby Bridges from going to school, to an integrated school. And that was not generations ago. I mean, that was not like centuries ago. That was in the 1900s. Yeah. She's still like kicking. Yeah. She's like 60 or 65. Yeah. And I think that's right. Like this whole like idea that, right, it's in the past, it's happened, like, yeah you know like it still informs the like present like you know like i think that right we i don't know like how many times do we use history to like make a decision on what's happening now Mm -hmm. Um, but this is the one time where we're like "Eh, 
you know, like that didn't happen. Like, you know, like, or like, right. It's a single chapter in a social studies book, right? Like, it's not like, right. We don't tell the story of black people in this country integrated in our history. We have a different history. And like, let's be honest, like pretty much starts in the sixties. Like, you know, like, oh, slavery happened. And then, like, you know, like... And then Martin Luther King. Like, you know, we don't talk about sharecropping and how, like, Black families weren't allowed to build wealth. We don't talk about, like, you know, the Reconstruction. We don't, you know, there's so many things. Like, you know, I... um, When George Floyd happened, I put together this email newsletter about, like, everything that happened to Black people in, like, a 300-year span. And, like, I'm, like how the police were started because they were afraid of black people all the way like so the fact that like black people are still dying right like if i get pulled over i am more likely to go to jail than like a white person like mm-hmm. like statistically like and now right the flip side of that is i've been pulled over multiple times and never have gotten a ticket because like i'm also gay and like I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, officer. Like, let me put on my white people voice here. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I just got this new car for my mom, and like, I just I wasn't looking at the speed. I didn't even know I was going ten miles over the speed limit. Um, you know, I'm not even from around here. Like, my mom lives in Downers Grove. Um, I just like was visiting her, and like I'm taking my like brother-in-law to like get some baby supplies like, i'm so sorry but if you didn't have that code to switch to oh yeah Please. how many times would you have gotten a ticket or or what i'd probably be dead i would probably or, right exactly well i mean we could talk about this ad nauseum um because there's so many ways not just in in overt racism where black people are consistently you know, being discriminated against and their outcomes are worse across the board, but there's also all the covert and systemic racism that leads to black women having worse outcomes during pregnancy, higher rates of death while giving birth. You know, um, a professor of mine in graduate school did this amazing study. It was a, it was a paradigm shifting study of people who live in, um, you know, basically what could colloquially be called the ghetto, right? So Watts, um, Cabrini Green in Chicago, you know, parts of New York, really sort of economically depressed, high crime, highly polluted areas. And she basically found that if a black man makes it to the age of 16, we're not talking about children who die in mortality and a lot of youth violence that happens, but if that black man makes it to the age of 16, has a 60, 60-ish, depending upon the neighborhood, chance of making it to 65, right? So black men die at higher rates just by living their lives. And this, this is where this idea of like, now people are really getting how bad racism is, the continual stress of racism on people's bodies. But at the time it was so controversial that, people were calling for her to be fired from the University of Michigan. Um, And that's why tenure is important because people were like outraged at this kind of research. Um, And yet 
it's now sort of, we understand that the constant stress and toll of living under bad conditions that are like formed by systemic racism and the overt racism that people face from, you know, having police patrol our neighborhoods and being stopped all the time. And it, it causes people to die earlier. It's just too much, right? Um, and just how, 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 whether or not you have a friend or whether or not you're a Black Lives Matter ally or whatever it is, that stuff doesn't get undone just because one person decides that they are gonna become anti-racist. That's all important, but we all need to be anti-racist to shift that. And, and you know, the systemic racism, the redlining on housing, all, all of this stuff, it's just, it contributes to continual suppression of black excellence because people just don't have a chance to get ahead. Yeah, no, I like, you know, um, I agree, right? Like I think about like, even things like credit, right? Like, man, like if I knew then what I knew now about credit, we'd be in a little different ball game. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, like, right? Like I think that, right? Like there's this, when you are forced to have to survive, rather than like being allowed to like thrive. I think that like, it produces this mentality that like, I just gotta do what I gotta do so that like I can live another day. And I think that that's like, right? Like that's why there's so much crime, right? In black communities. Cause like, you know what? Like, sorry, like my parents didn't give me like $30,000 to buy a house when I got married. Like, you know, we like making it work over here. Like, um, and I think that, right, we, I, I think we take all that for granted as a society sometimes, and we don't remind ourselves that, like, that's happening, um, and that, yeah, it's just not, like, it's not fair, like, it's like starting a race from, like, three miles behind and being told you have to, like, catch up. With 40 pound shoes on. 40 pound shoes on, right, like, and you're just like, all right, cool, well, I'm gonna do the best I can, but, like, yeah. you know, we gonna see, like, there's this uh, scene in Scandal um, where, like, her father is asking, like, telling her, like, what did I teach you? And she always she says, I have to work twice as hard to have half as much. And, like, man, I, I feel that every single day. No, Tennessee Coates says the same thing about, like, Obama, where he's like, he couldn't just be good. He had to be the president of the law review, the Harvard Law Review. He had to do all of, he had to be perfect. And Donald Trump had to be rich and white. Yeah. After George Floyd, you know, every single corporate America, every single corporation was like, DEI, we're going to do all this diversity, conversations about race. It, you know, my company did the same thing. Um, I have to say my company is, is really good at like investing in DEI opportunities and stuff too. But um, we had a conversation we have some like upper management, upper leadership who are people of color, women, me black men. And one of the men who like is one of the VPs of the company, he says, I don't care where I'm going. I do not care if I'm going to Walgreens to pick up prescriptions or going to my son's baseball game or going to the gym in the car I wear a suit coat because to your point 
you speak a certain way with your code switching if you get pulled over. You lean on that part of your code switch. And he says, because the chances are when I have my glasses and my suit coat on, they will see that in addition to me being a black man and not just, oh my God, there's a black man who's maybe going a little bit over the speed limit or whatever. Yeah. No, I feel right. Like, I mean, I'm tell you, I can't leave the house without being super dressed up and like looking a certain way, right? I am so conscious that like, as a black person and as a gay person, right? Like people expect me to like look like really fucking bougie. Like they like expect me to have on designer clothes all the time. Like, and right. I, one, I do that because I do like those things. And like, I, you know, I do dress really well, but like, <laughs> um, I, I also do it cause I'm like, oh shit. Like, I don't want people to think that, like, I'm, like, some, like, slob. Like, I don't want people to be, like, oh, look at that, like, black kid. Like, right? Like, and also, like, right, the town I live in is so insular that, like, I'm probably going to see somebody I know, and they're going to think, like, I would 100% know people treat me differently when, like, I'm looking like shit. Like, you know, like, my Uber drivers, like, I was just in like some shitty shorts earlier today and like a tank top looking like a hot ass mess. Um, but a hot one. A little hot one. <laughs> um, but you know, like, and she was like so mean, like so mean to me. Like, and like, or like, I'll like be like running late for something and looking to shovel or going to like the buzz to do something. And like, I'm just in like not like, you know, my, my bougie clothes. Right. Uh, like, I'm just in, like, a t-shirt, and, like, I feel like they judge me. Like, they, they're not as nice, like, but, like, man, let me have on, like, a hot outfit. They're like, oh, hi, how's it going? How's your day? Like, um, and, right, I think that there's so much, like, right, we have an obsession with pretty and being thin, and, like, I used to be, like, 100 pounds more than I am now. And I also have been 50 pounds less than I am now, thanks COVID. But um, like the smaller I got, the nicer people were to me. The more like designer clothes, the nicer people were to me. Um, I used to sell at Nordstrom. Um, and let me tell you, started losing weight and wearing dress clothes. Everybody's like, yeah, can I work with you? Like, oh, you look so good. Like, I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I have the same fashion since I did three months ago. Right. I just, like, lost some weight, bro, and, like, put on the right clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you referenced that you grew up in a Catholic family. Yeah. And uh, one thing we know about Catholics is that they're not, they don't look fondly on alternative sexual orientations. No. They're, they're not leading the pride events. Right. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I would say is that for a long time, there has been a reputation in the black community to be very homophobic. Uh, I believe that is changing um, and, and it, it could be superficial changes um, that those of us who are not part of the black community are seeing. But certainly when you were growing up, Little Nas X was not around, right? That's one person I can point to right away to be like, that person is, Little Nas X is black, and gay and 100% apologetic about none of it. Like 100%, like I am who I am. I'm not gonna apologize for any of this. 
and that person's only been on the, you know, in the public eye for the last two years or three years. Mm. What was that like for you sort of living with your grandparents, living in Oak Park, being part of a black community, I assume going to church because you're Catholic, um, and then coming to this realization that you were gay. How did all of that stuff come together for you? Was it fractured? Was it easy? Was it staggered? Honestly, it's pretty like, it's pretty Gucci. Like, I mean, like. Okay, you need to, what does that mean? It was great. It was, it was okay. easy. It was so easy. It was so easy. Um, so I went to a church that like, I think was a little more accepting of homosexuality. Um, I actually had no idea, but like, I, I stopped going to church at the age of like 14. Mostly because I started working on Sundays and like, you know, like I just had another need there. Um, but like, you know, um, one of our like, I don't remember what he did. I think he was a choir director or like, he worked for the church, but he was gay. Like my priest like went to rehab while he was like our preacher. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. I'm going to rehab. Like you're going to have a new preacher for like two, six months. Um, and so like, I think that, right. Like, I think that I, because I had that experience, like, and because I, from the age of like six, was, I mean, people could tell, um, I think that, yeah, I think, I don't know if they were sheltering me. I don't know if like, they were just like putting on airs. Um, now, being black, it's like a whole thing. Like, ooh, we are still as a family working through a lot of things. Um, it is, it is not easy some days. Um, you know, I grew up and I didn't know that I had a gay uncle and a gay auntie. Like, no one, no, we never talked about it. No one ever told me. Um, it was like when I was like. Let's say like 16, 17, I like found out that my uncle Gregory was gay. And like it wasn't until like let's say like four years ago I found out that my auntie Bat was gay. And I was like, really? I was like, I really just thought her and Erica were like roommates. Like, you guys really sold you guys really sold that one well. Um, wow. But yeah, you know, and and that know, like lesbian roommate trope is like the age-old story. Yes. That you fell for it. Hook, like, and I and fell for it. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I love my family 100%. And I, they are trying really hard to understand things. Um, but, like, you know, we have a situation, like, I want to say, like, two months ago. Um, I'm actually still not talking to my sister because of it. We all, we did, like, a siblings dinner. And, like, we were leaving the restaurant. Her son was, like, she said, oh, do you need to ride home? And I was like, no, I can walk, like, you know, it's like three blocks, like, cool. Um, and Kaden, my nephew, was like, oh, Darian's going to see his girlfriend. And I said, oh, no, like, I like boys, actually, so I'd be going to see my boyfriend. But, like, you know, I'm single. Ha, 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 ha. And I thought nothing of it. I was like, fine. Uh, the next day, Lil Nas X drops industry, baby. Um, and my sister like goes on a rant about like how like inappropriate it is and like all these things. And I'm like, all right, well, like, so and she is not educated as educated as I am. And so I'm like, 
well, here's like what I think is like happening. And like, look at like satire here and like some like beautiful explanation. And she just goes like, oh, I knew you were going to say something. You're always getting sensitive. And then she's like, and that shit you said to Kanan, you need to never say that again. Like, I was like, what? I was like, I've been with one of Connor. I was like, hey, girls, like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, you told Kenny you were gay. I was like, what? I was like, all right, cool. Um, hung up the phone. And then, like, she just proceeded to, like, she bitch went crazy. Bitch went crazy. <laughs> bad. It was real bad. I love, I love her. Like, we're going to work through it at some point. But like, it was bad. It was, like, real, like, she, like, went in and, like, like, I think she thinks I have had a really easy, charmed life and that people just give me things because I'm gay and, like, because they feel bad for me and she hasn't had that easy, charmed life. Um, it's not the case at all. I work, like, 80 hours a week um, and, like, hate myself most of the time because of it. Um, but yeah, no, um, you know, so, like, I, I think we're still working on the homophobia with the black community and our families and like, right. Like it, there's this meme that I see come up every once in a while. And it's black women love gay men until they're like their son. And then something switches. Um, even my grandma, like who once again, sweet old lady has raised two gay kids, but like, and I had a really weird coming out. Like it was bad. I got outed by my gay uncle at Thanksgiving dinner. Um, it was real ugly um, and I like was in the car with her and she's like I just don't understand what I did wrong so like wait like that you turned out gay and I was like grandma I was like seriously I was like you know I'm not the most educated your grandkids right like I was like you know that like and like you know my older sister did go to college as well and like she's great and like you know she's gonna hear that and be like Darian's a dick um <laughs> like, I was like are you serious like I mean like I'm doing pretty fucking well like you are sitting in my new car like telling me about like how what, you did something wrong you did something wrong and I'm the only one who doesn't live at home anymore <laughs> like I'm so confused like Oh my gosh. Oh my well, God. It's almost like another one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's, it's great. You know, gay people, it's great, great. Gay people are great. Just over there. Not here, not mine, not my child, not my family. Um, and it's, you know, that stuff is super complicated, right? I think people can be in favor of something theoretically and really oppose it in their personal lives. Like, you know, people who are like, yeah, sure, interracial marriage, that's a great idea. You know, I'm not opposed to that. Oh, not my kid. I don't, I don't know what this is going to be like for me. This is making me feel uncomfortable. It's making me have to deal with a lot of things I would really, I don't want to deal with because it's outside, it's over there. I don't want to, I don't, it's making me feel uncomfortable. And just how like, people are like all in favor of, of everything until they have to deal with it themselves. It's another thing that about to sort of hearkening back to that initial conversation about uh, be your gay black self somewhere else. Now that this golf outing, which is a white space, so that's we don't have any problems with you personally. Just don't be that person here. Yeah, you know, um, there's this like story, and me and my dad have a really fractured relationship. Which, like, once again, like they are all so 
down with me being gay sometimes. Um, but like he like owned a nightclub at some point after he was a drug dealer, you know, rehab, rebuilding, you know, the criminal justice system worked for him. Um, but you know, he owned a nightclub and like he threw a party and like I definitely this was definitely in Darian's like eyeliner and like skin tight clothes phase. It was real bad. It was really bad. Sounds like a lovely phase. Oh, I look back at those photos and question a lot of the decisions I made. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, I was like twerking, like I think like at like this, like at one of these parties and he was like, you can't be doing that. Like, that's not how you're supposed to act. And like, I just remember being like so, so distraught by that. I was like, but like, I'm just dancing, like, what are you talking about? Like the white people at school like when I do these things. And like, yeah, like, right. It's, um, yeah, it's rough. So, you know, we're, we're dealing with it, but like, yeah, like you said, I can, I can be gay, but I can't be like super gay. Right. Like I like, I can have my nails a dark color, but like, if this were like yellow, I don't know how my grandma would feel. Right. Like, um, and they're like they're coming around to it. Like I mean, they stopped denying it, so that's good, right? Uh, that is that's forward. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Now my grandma like likes to point out how cute the waiter is. I'm like, grandma. Okay, calm. Now you're going too far, mom. Now- grandma, <laughs> calm down. Yeah, no, like we are not talking about my love life. This is yeah. So you mentioned your. Your coming out, your your coming out to your family was awkward and cringy um, at Thanksgiving, and you don't have to talk about that. But can you talk a little bit about your coming out to yourself, like your own realization of your sexuality and and how that progressed? Yeah. Um, so sixth grade, Carson Cornelius Burke, I had a crush on him. Like, but I also like girl. I don't know, like. Right, so like I like was like oh like and I like Meredith too, and I was like yeah, but I was like oh, I don't know like like playing around in this like I won't say like right I, I was by but like really wasn't I think I was just faking the girl part of that no like I definitely had a crush on her um and like right like you know like right I sexuality is a spectrum I identify as a gay man but like that doesn't mean that like on some level right like there's not like five percent of me that like wouldn't like you know be like with a woman like mm-hmm. probably not for the rest of my life because like that's a lot good but like uh <laughs> like, I mean there, you're right sexuality is on the spectrum very few people are 100 percent heterosexual or homosexual um and that for most people it's like look if I met that the right, really the right person that fit every single thing that, you know, and we had the right chemistry and everything, but they were not my preferred sexual partner, the sex of my preferred sexual partner, I would still probably consider being with them because it's about like, you're you're just vibing on so many levels. And yet, but most of the time you're like, no, I'm mostly over here. But then like every once in a while, something happens over here. Something, oh, something catches my attention on the other side. I think the other thing, and I've had this conversation with my older kid because my older kid is now in eighth grade and these conversations around interest um, started around sixth grade at the same time. And I think there's a very 
um, innocent approach to opposite or set, you know, relationships, opposite or same sex relationships when you're in sixth grade, because most sixth graders are not ready to be sexually active. So you're crushing on people and you're crushing on their personalities. Oh, this person makes me feel good. Um, I like who I am when I'm around them. They make me feel special. It's exciting. We have a great time. And then it's usually like, that's like four or five years. And then you get into high school. And then like, when you're ready to actually like want to fuck somebody, then you're like, oh no, not that this right well i uh so i like used to tell people i like tacos and hot dogs that was until <laughs> I, I came out to my friends like that's okay all right you're <laughs> like yeah i was like i like tacos and hot dogs i like tacos and hot dogs like you get it like and they're like, uh, it's fine. We also like tacos and hot dogs. Like, <laughs> are you hungry? What's going yeah. on? <laughs> um, and then like- For the record, had- I usually was talking about food. <laughs> and still now. And at some point I think I was like, no nah, guys, it's just like hot dogs. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's an occasional taco, I guess. Like, right, like- um, I mean, gun to my head, I'll eat a taco, I suppose. Right, like, um, but no, uh, I like to quote David Rose on this one. Um, you know, um, I am into wine, not the label. Um, and like, you know, like, right, like, I guess, like, I guess, like, the, like, Gen Zers would say I'm, like, pansexual and not gay, but, like, you know, like, I'm like strictly dickly 95% of the time. And then like Did you say you're strictly dickly? Yes. That is amazing. I have not that's ever awesome. heard that. And that's awesome. All right, fair enough. Yeah, you so know. So you came so you just were like, oh, I like this boy in sixth grade. And you were you're like, I I'm gay yeah, or like, I'm queer it yeah, just kind of like boys well right a lot of people right like I struggle with this because like a lot of people used to tell me I was gay right like I had a like the first girl I ever dated when I was in first grade because like you know it was, it was such a serious relationship um but like she's like oh I like know a secret about you and I was like what <laughs> she's like you don't even know and I was like what are you talking about bitch she's like you're gay and I was like well, this is news to me, bitch. Uh, but sure, 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 sure. Um, so I think that, like, for so many years of my life, I didn't want to, like, validate people. And, like, I, like, just wanted to be like, no, I'm not gay. It's like, fuck you. Like, you can't just fucking assume I'm gay. Like, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I like the boys. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you still are like mad that she was right, quote yeah. unquote. Like, oh, I'm so pissed at all. So and it, was, it wasn't just, it was not just her. It was not just her. Like, it was a, a litany of kids who, like, like yeah, Jerry's gay. And I'm like, what? I, am, I don't know about that, guys. Um, but they were clearly right. <laughs> um, at least 95% of the time. I saw this awesome Reddit thing that was like seven years ago. Some guy was like, hey, not only gay men like Lady Gaga, I love Lady Gaga and I'm not gay. And then six years later, he responded to his own comment that was like, 
Mm, okay, so it took six years, but yeah, it finally came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, first off, I fucking love Lady Gaga. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just like, right, like, I think that like I came out when I was ready to and like, right, I knew for years. Like, I used to go to the library and print, like, right, we did not have a home computer. Well, we did, but like, it had a virus on it. And so like, I had to print out porn. And like keep it in like a secret blue folder in my like room. Um, and then one day my gay uncle was cleaning my room. Oh no. And he found said folder and gave it to my mom. My mom's like, Are you gay? And I was like, Oh no, I was just curious. And then like I printed and then I accidentally printed too much and I didn't want to leave it and like here it is. Do you call just for clarification, do you call your grandmother your mom? I call my auntie my mom. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, okay, that it would just I just was wanted to clarify. It's a whole thing. <laughs> my sisters are all my cousins, like my aunties, my mom. It's just it's it's we have given it's each family. It's all family. It's all found family. Yeah, it's family. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, um, so your your uncle who was out, yeah, 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 outed you without talking to you first. Uh, so like. Yeah, right. He gives this like paper to my mom and like then I'm like, well, this is after now. Cool. Whatever, we'll deal with that at some point. But then like, right, that happened. I want to say that happened probably like, oh God, was that like my senior year of high school or like maybe my junior year of high school? Um, and then I got a phone and like life became a lot easier. Um, <laughs> thank you, modern technology. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, it was, I was a sophomore in college when he yelled at me. Um, and like, right at this, by this time, I had like, I think I like went to college and was like, you know, living my best life because like I could like, you know, be my real self and like, you know, not have to go home by like mom. Um, but like, you know, like I told my sisters first, and then like I told my mom at some point, because like there's this boy I was dating, I was like really into him, and like I told her, and then we broke up and it's really awkward. But um and then yeah, later that like Thanksgiving, like we were all sitting around a table and like they were talking about like family, like what it means to be a family, and, like we should tell each other everything. And then like my uncle was like in an argument with my dad and like, you know, right. Like they had this whole, like, there was a lot of like issues with my uncle being gay apparently. Cause I didn't even really know this until like, you know, like he found my porn stash. <laughs> and so like, I'm just like, okay, like, I don't know. And so he's like, yeah, well, I know something about Darian that like, so should I be telling you that? And I was like, what is this? I was like, really? Really? And then like, I was like, what is it? What is it? And like, at that point, like I had obviously known what it was. Um, and I obviously saw how this was going. And I was like, well, I guess somebody's going to out me tonight. Um, and then he's like, well, I would tell you, but like, that's like not appropriate. And I'm like, no, do it. I was like, do it. You want to bring it up? Fucking do it. I was like, you feeling froggy? Leap. Um, and then he's like, he's gay. And I was like, yeah, I am. And then I ran into my room and cried. And then my stepmom consoled me by saying, well, it's not like you ever, like, you know, brought your boyfriend around. So, like, you're being respectable about it. And I was like, bitch, is that really what we gonna say? 
like, and then yeah, um, we've been uh, in a productive dialogue ever since. So your stepmom's assertion that it's okay that you're gay because you're not acting gay, you're not doing gay things in my house. You're not bringing boys. Wow. Home. Wow. Um, but yeah, like you know, but I also write. I think my grandpa knew. My grandpa definitely knew. Um, you know, he covered it up real well. I mean, he acted ignorant. Um, but like, he like sent me down one day, and like, right? I probably have the had the best relationship of any man in my family with my grandpa before he passed. Um, and like, he like he's like, yeah, like it doesn't really matter if you're like gay or straight. Like, as long as you're a good person, like that's really like what I'm concerned about. Like, and I was like, oh. Oh, oh, that's so sweet. Um, and then he started watching RuPaul's Drag Race so that he could like better understand me as a person. Like, man, my grandpa's like my like, he my person, he my person. Um, he got it right. Like, I mean, I assume so. He found a dildo in my closet when I was eighteen. So like, I mean, <laughs> that one was hard to talk myself out of. It also, was. Why are all these people trolling through your closets in your room? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no privacy. Seriously, maybe that is the number one problem that needs to be tackled in productive conversations in your house. People are going through your stuff. Like I, I had a moment where I was like, "In what universe does someone's uncle clean their room for them?" I was like, that's your job. And if you have a messy room, someone needs to nag you to clean up your room until you clean up your room. That's how that works. And then what What uncle is not just cleaning, but sees a folder and opens it versus like just stacks it nicely on the desk? Yeah, maybe the productive conversations you need to be having with your family are more about personal space. Yeah, and boundaries. <laughs> and boundaries. Oh, this is my uh, room, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm assuming that's not a problem anymore since you no longer live with I will say, right. My daughter, who is seven, and when she hears this, when she's older, she's going to be real mad that I told this story. But she ran into my room and she didn't have any pants on. This was like two weeks ago. She didn't have any pants on. She jumped on the bed. And I go, what happened to your pants? And she goes, never mind. Don't worry about it. I feel like you need to say that to your family more often about everything. What's going on in there? Never mind. Don't worry about it. Yeah, well, uh, they don't open my house ever. <laughs> oh, boy. Not allowed, but like. Uh, I have like baby gates with like locks going up my stairs and stuff. <laughs> oh, my God, Daria. That is oh, hilarious. my gosh. <laughs> Although I know that the three of us could keep talking all evening. I do want, wanted to then move us to the end of the interview, sadly, and to ask you the second to last question, which we ask, have been asking everyone this season, um, which is given the rich history of your experiences, and we've talked about a lot, what advice, right? And again, wanna be real clear that uh, we don't expect anyone to be an expert in anything but their own life, right? You're an expert in your own life. We're not asking you to speak for every black man, every gay black man, every gay man, every person who's lived with their grandparents and none of that, right? Um, but what advice would you give someone um, who might be in even some combination of similar circumstances or 
that you wish someone had given you when you were 15? So when I departed from corporate America, I wrote this article about like what happened and my thoughts. And I said something to the effect of like, risk everything. And if you lose it, it wasn't worth having. Um, and right, like I think that, right, a lot of the stories I talked about, I was afraid, I was scared. And like, I just didn't have to be, right? Like the things that like were meant to be for me happened and they were great. And like, that's, that's all like, right? Like I never lost any friends, my family like never disowned me. Like, and that could be your story. But like, if that is your story, then like, fuck your family, bro. Like, you know, if they're gonna kick you out cause you're gay, like they're probably not great people. And honestly, you're gonna save yourself a whole lot of money on Christmas presents. like. always an upside every disadvantage has its advantage right I think that's really inspiring which you know obviously you by as we talked about the various combinations of you know communities you were a part of and the time that there was a lot to risk there was a lot on the line and yet you know, you didn't lose the people that really mattered to you. You didn't lose, you know, business opportunities. In fact, it seems like, and I don't have not seen your books, but I'm going to guess that you're using every of every piece of your personality, every experience to your advantage. Um, and that's part of your story. And people want to work with you because of who you are and what you've gone through, not because what you've denied about yourself. So, and that, I think that's a huge thing for all of us that we, whether or not we're part of these, um, these marginalized disenfranchised communities in some way, we all try and edit ourselves and, and hold back because we're afraid of risking something and potentially losing that thing without recognizing, like you said, hey, maybe it was never worth having if it was so tenuous to begin with. Well. And something Shayla, she says a lot is like, um, if, if I say something like, uh, well, I'm worried that she's going to get mad at me if I, whatever. And Shayla, she says, well, that sounds like a, her problem. And that is kind of what you're saying. And we've heard this with this season talking about coming out stories. We have heard this time and again, which I think is so vital. And you just said it like, when you come out and you own your own truth and you li- you're ready to live your own truth and someone doesn't like it, that's a them problem. That at one point when you're ready to come out, you have to value yourself above getting potentially thrown out of the house or getting, you know, disconnected from your family or your friends or, you know, someone telling you that, you know, you, well, it's okay since you're not bringing boys home or whatever um and that that putting yourself first and valuing who you are is not only located in the box of your gender and sexuality it you now can build on your career because you've put yourself first and you've figured out your boundaries you can build on your other relationships and your friendships and it suddenly becomes so much more than just I came out to my family I like that 
Um, I like that idea. So unfortunately, I'm going to ask you the last question, and it's unfortunate because I love talking to you. So Familact, we talk about it on every podcast. It is words and phrases that are, you know, very unique to your family. And that could be your friend circle, your work family, your found family, your squad, or it could be your home family, your original family, whatever it is, biological. Um, what is some of the familacts that, that you have going with your, your various families? Um, so I've said this word a lot, Gucci. Uh, it's not just a designer, it's not just a designer. It is a designer to someone who is 41 years old. I'm like, oh, that's, those are clothes that I can't afford. Yeah. Um, well for me, I'm like, oh, it's Gucci. It means that I, yeah, sure. Cool. Great. Gucci. Like, I don't know. Like, it's fine. I'm like, great. It's like, it's not, it's more than okay, but not fan-fucking-tastic. Like, it's just, it's Gucci. Like, okay. um, God, what else? What else? Uh, and, like, I have, like, a lot of phrases. Like, it's pretty much me just coming up with phrases and then making my friends say them. I love it. <laughs> well, that's why you and Kosha get along so well. Yeah. <laughs> because like, that has been Kosha's, one of Kosha's talents for a long time. Um, right now, I'm really into people schnitzeling things. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to explain that because schnitzel is a food. It's a food. So I'm really curious what schnitzeling is, except for making schnitzel. And then you said, you said, right now, I'm really into people schnitzeling. I'm like, that is, that is family act with the voices in your head because nobody <laughs> knows what that is. And I love it. What does it mean? Um, I, like I don't know like I just like I'm like you just schnitzel himself off a cliff and, like, oh okay okay oh like that's when you're like you can go schnitzel yourself like you're like you can go after you can go fuck yourself or you can go oh no, no. so like oh, I never no. like tell somebody to go schnitzel themselves I say that somebody has schnitzel themselves like off okay. of like somebody one of my employees got into a car accident I was like he schnitzel himself into a fucking car accident oh, like, okay okay, okay. okay. Oh, all right so got themselves into a situation yes yes like yes. a crummy a bad or a, a bad situation. situation yeah yeah do people like, understand this word um, I think that I see a lot. I see a lot to my team, and I think that they have just learned that like Darian has his phrases. Um, Are they ever like, "Don't make fetch isn't gonna happen. Stop trying to make fetch happen." <laughs> also, we used to on social media do like Darianisms, and so like Mark the other day was like, "I'm so happy we stopped doing Darianisms because like you just come up with new fucking words every day." And I'm like, "Yeah, well, you know what? Like, I'm great. So like, deal with it." <laughs> yeah, just go schnitzel. You're go schnitzeling. No, oh okay. my god, no. All right, no. you have to give us a couple more Darian. Yeah. Oh my so gosh. Great. Oh gosh. Oh, I'm trying to think. Like, right? Like, what am I into right now? Well, so I would say at the at the top of our interview, you did reference HBIC. That's oh, right. Which is 100. percent I think people who know you and they interact with you often would totally know what that means. It's a him bitch in charge. Him bitch in charge. Head bitch. Head bitch in charge. Yeah. That makes more sense than him bitch. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh. All right. Yeah. That's that's a family act. We, in our office, we use the phrase duplicate that hoe. Um, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> you like sometimes do a lot of repetitive work, and I'm like, God, guys, just like just duplicate that whole call today. Like, oh my god. And like, yeah, no, it's like now everybody's like, yeah, just duplicate that whole. I don't know, like, I don't care. Like, I say that to me. right. Like, I'm like, I don't care. And then so, Corey's like, Jerry, you definitely fucking care. Oh, you say you don't care? Yeah, <laughs> like I'm like I just don't care. Like, and he's like <laughs> you do, and I'm gonna do it, and then you're gonna yell at me that I did it wrong. <laughs> but then you're gonna continue to say I don't care, and I'm like, Darren, I have only spent really an hour and a half with you, and if you told me you didn't care, I'd be like, you're lying. You're lying. <laughs> you do not come off as a person who doesn't care. You come off as a person who's like, no, no, I said this right duplicate that home yes but i think that you come off as a person and she she was like this too that if you actually got to the point that you didn't care people should be fucking scared because it would be like you've gotten so far pushed that when you're like i really don't care about you you really mean it yeah i'm totally like that i'm very like when kosha and my husband know both that when they get to the place i'm like no, why would I, why would I bother? That is, I am the person who always bothers, right? I'm the person that's like, no, we should try to make it better. We should fix it, blah, 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 blah. But when I go like, why would I bother? People like people who know me really well go like, oh fuck, she's oh, done with no. this. Like she's done. Yeah. And there are a couple of people where I'm like, I'm not, why, why would they even care to say anything to them? She would, yeah. She would want those people to be schnitzled. Yeah. They. <laughs> They schnitzel themselves right out of my life. Yes, yes, yes. That works. That works. Well, yes, we'll see. you did it. You were Gucci. Duplicate that hole. All right. Kosha. All right. Now you're just saying things, Kosha. Now I'm just repeating his femalac. We had a. Uh, we were negotiating somebody's contract this week, and like negotiations just broke down and got real ugly real quick, and like. I was like, I called a staff and I was like, yeah, so like, so-and-so schnitzled themselves out of the company. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I was like, apparently she's schnitzling herself over a cliff right now because like this also pissed on her. And uh, yeah. So oh, that's now that you've used it in context a couple of times, it, def- it definitely sounds like what it, you refer to it as. Yeah. It yeah. sounds like they're fucking themselves up. On yeah. your own, like you're you're getting into yeah. a bad situation. You're just shooting yourself off a cliff, like oh, he schnitzled himself out of, out of this company. Wow, out of my life. Love love it. Like... All right. Well, we love you. I can't believe it's been yeah. an hour and a half that went so fast. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh my god, yes. All right. Thank you so much, Darian. It's such a pleasure. You are hilarious. And we'll talk to you really, really soon. Yeah. Cool. All right. Sounds good, guys. Bye, baby. Have a great weekend. Bye.